glory forever. Amen. Okay, we're in the book of Colossians. Before, before I do that, I don't want to introduce, or I don't want to embarrass my friend. Uh, I do want to introduce somebody, Maria Hulkrin, longtime friends of the Wilsons, best friends, BFFs from a few lifetimes ago. We've all moved in different places. I guess we've moved the most, but Maria Hulkrin, her husband, Mark's not here, but Maria's a, she's just the other blonde with my blonde, actually, <laughs> sitting right there. So Maria, it's good to, good to have you with us. Uh, that's all I got. We love you guys, you know that. Piecing life together, a survival guide for fragmented times. Do we need a survival guide? Yeah, we need a survival guide. I mean, every week, every day, the, the news cycle. Come on, man. Let me tell a little story this morning and draw us into the text if I can. He was 13 years old. He attended church every week with his parents. Anything like that sound familiar? I'm sure it was a peaceful attention. I'm sure that it was really easy to get that 13-year-old to church every week. (laughs) On a particular Sunday, he stayed behind. He wanted to ask his pastor a question. The question went like this. Pastor, if I raise my finger, will God know which one I'm going to raise even before I raise it? Fair enough. Sounds like a precocious 13-year-old boy question. We've got a few of those. Pastor says, yes, Steve, God knows everything. Steve wasn't quite satisfied, though. He was a little bit haunted by the plight of African children suffering from famine. And so he pulled out a Life magazine cover depicting children being tormented by salvation. And he came back with a follow-up question. Hate those. Well, does God know about this and what's going to happen to these kids? Pastor gave a similar response. Steve, I, I know you're not going to understand, but yes, God knows about that. Kara Powell, in her book, Growing Young, then goes on and, and asks a very pertinent question. She says this. If you were Steve, would you be satisfied with your pastor's answer to the question? Steve wasn't. He couldn't deal. He walked out of church that day, and he never went back again. The good news in the story, and almost even remarkable news in the story, it goes like this. At least he was drawn like a magnet to his community, to his pastor, to his people. But Steve had a few questions, and he needed some space to ask those questions. He needed some space to figure out the answer to those questions, because I think embedded behind those questions were questions like this. Who am I? And where do I fit in this world? And what kind of difference can I make if this is the way the world is? So perhaps the questions weren't really about the questions. The questions were the questions behind the question. Don't ask me to say that again. I'm not sure I could actually pull it off well.
You see, Steve had a few questions about what it was like for him as a 13-year-old. Remember 13? Remember 13? Brutal. 13 is a tough year. He experienced a little suffering himself. He was bullied at school. He had financial struggles at home. He was relinquished for adoption by his birth parents. He was trying to make sense of his own pain, let alone the pain of everyone else he saw. You might have heard of Steve. Ready? Some of you know. Steve Jobs. In a highly fragmented, complex, crazy, out-of-control world, there's a survival guide, and it's called prayer. Let me try to tether some of these together because we've all asked those questions. In fact, I think I still ask myself those same three questions. Do you? Who am I? Where do I fit? What difference does it make? That's not just the plight of a 13-year-old. That's the plight of humankind, man. It's all of us. And it constantly evolves through the seasons of life. I'm at, a, I'm at a point, we're at a point, where perhaps, more than likely, we have more memories than we have days. So who am I? Where do we fit? And what difference Will it make? I think there's a survival guide for moments like this in our culture when we try to piece it together. And it's, it's one word. I don't want you to roll your eyes. I want us to lean into this a little bit more. You can yawn if you want, but just don't roll your eyes, okay? Here's the survival guide. Ready? Prayer. Boom. Said it. Prayer. Oh, yeah. You can say it. Okay. All right, I like it. Say it with me. Prayer. Okay. Now, it's not just, you know, the words that we say to God. When we think of prayer, we usually think, oh, these are the things that I have to say to God, so God will hear my prayer. And we come up with these fancy acronyms, you know, really intellectual people, theological types. So let's take the word pray. P stands for praise. R stands for repent. A stands for another. Y stands for yourself. But let's take a look at prayer today in a different light. Let's flip it. Let's look at it slant. And let's look at it from the perspective of not my words about prayer, but what God has to say to us through prayer. Can we do that for a few minutes? Let's try it. Let's see what happens. Prayer is an act of attention. It's an act of attention. Before we say anything, we are giving our attention to someone else, to something else. And who is that someone else that we are attuning ourselves to in prayer? God, right? Notice the subtle yet significant difference. If we think about prayer primarily as me saying things to God, we're not necessarily attending to what God has for us. So stop with the words for a moment and just simply give attention to God. 
It's a different posture. It's a, different, it's a radically different, you know, starting place. Because prayer begins when we tune in. <clears throat> when we tune in to God and God's purposes. See, in a fragmented world when we're crazy with anxiety and fear, and did you see that? Did you hear that? Did, she, did he really say that? Are you kidding me? Notice the starting place. We've got to lament all of our stuff up to God. And that's the wrong starting point. The proper starting point is, let me just stop, push all that aside, and let my heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and body attune to the reality of the presence of God. Prayer is attention to God's things. It's a radical refocusing. And yet hard to do, simple to do, yet we forget that step for some reason, as if it's a step. Prayer is not just attention to God, it's the act of listening to God. You know, we, we stop, we attune, and we listen. Anybody see the eclipse earlier this week? Okay, there's a great quote. Wait, only that many people saw it? How many saw pictures of it? Okay. I don't know, I thought it was a bigger deal than that. <laughs> Remember when it came a few years ago, you know, whenever it was last time? I was in, like, grade school, and everybody was building those boxes with the toilet paper thing. That was me. I did one of those. I, I didn't follow the instructions like I don't follow Ikea today, and I made it wrong, I'm sure. But uh, anyway, somebody had glasses, so I was able to see it this time, and it was cool. Here's what someone said about the eclipse. For a few minutes, the eclipse let us look up and forget. The eclipse, for a few minutes, the eclipse let us look up and forget. That's prayer. That's prayer. For a few minutes, I forget everything, I tune in, and I listen, and I forget. Because I need to remember and hear the most important things. However, I'm too busy attending to all this noise, clatter, prattle. Sound familiar? I do it all the time. i got to pray today. Rattle it off. Check. So prayer attends us and tunes us into God so that we can listen. Why? Because prayer is the water that germinates and grows followers of Christ, disciples. Prayer does that. So let's read a, a prayer that Paul prays. To the church in, it's an old church, kind of in Turkey, long way away from here. But let's read a prayer that Paul writes. And I think we're going to find that prayer is a real significant act in surviving fragmented times. Colossians chapter 1, 9 through 14. You with me? Here we go. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped, there it is, praying for you. Now how are they praying? Continually. We continually ask God to fill you, now watch this, with 
the knowledge of his will. But it's not just knowledge. It's not just knowing stuff. It's not just information. It's not just words. It's knowledge of his will. This is a great phrase. Through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. One of the other translations says spiritual insight. Spiritual insight of the will of God. So that you may live or walk a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Now here's how we please him. For this reason, whoop, there it is, sorry. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Praying with Paul. The reading, reading of God's word. Survival guide for fragmented times. Prayer. Plain and simple. And there's three benefits. And I think we're going to see that these three benefits help us put together a response to those three key questions that every human being asks throughout all of the seasons of our lives. <laughs> Who am I? Where do I belong? Who are my people? Who's on my team? And what's the point? Right? What's the point? So first thing, first benefit of prayer, ready? Prayer creates in us a new identity. And I couldn't have been happier when Len was talking at the uh, confession today in absolution. Prayer creates in us a new identity. Paul says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we haven't stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with all the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. There's this move from information or knowledge to spiritual wisdom and insight. There's this move from book knowledge, just knowing the right stuff, to spiritual insight upon knowledge. And there's a fun little wordplay in the original. It's, it's the move from knowing, gnosis, to the move to spiritual insight, epigenosis, knowledge upon knowledge. Deeper knowledge still. And that simple, deeper knowledge still goes like this. <laughs> we all are given a new identity in Jesus Christ. And as Len said, it's, it's stamped on our papers. Did he say papers or heart? He said paper, I say heart. Right? We're, we're, we're given this new identity. And prayer is the mechanism that that new identity is rooting itself in our soul, in our spirit. And very oftentimes in Scripture, this is symbolized in some really cool ways. Sometimes people in Scripture get new names. Right? Old guy in the First Testament, Abram. Abram. A-B-R-A-M, Abram, because of his faithfulness, becomes Abraham. He got a new identity. And it was, that new identity was stamped into his life in the transition from Abram to Abraham. 
and his wife Sarai, S-A-R-A-I, becomes, this is like a really big transition, Sarai becomes Sarah, S-A-R-A-H. Thank you very much. I did pass the Bible content exam the first time. Barely. Right? Isn't that fascinating? Saul, right? Saul. Paul. There's these transitions. I went from Toby, son of Stan and Lily Wilson, to Tobin, child of God. Right? I mean, there's more to the story, but as a kid, I was always known as Toby, and then after a pretty tough time in our life, and I'm not going to go over that because that's not really the story. The real story in my personal life is that God held us through. God carried us through. And so we symbolize that in the move from Toby to Tobin. Fresh start. The identity was never gone. It was renewed. It It was transformed. It was made new again. And God did that. Gave us this new identity. And there's nothing that we can do that will take that identity away from us. Romans, not even our sin can do that. Yes, sin clouds it. Not even those worst moments in our lives can take that identity away. It can't be repealed. Maybe that was the wrong word. It can't be removed better. Abraham in in the New Testament three times is called, you got to love this, a friend of God. Abraham's called a friend of God three times. So you know what, you guys, you know what all all this means? In prayer, when we attune and when we to God and we listen, there's space and time for God to, to mark us with a new identity in Jesus Christ. If we don't pray, we can't live into that. If we pray, that new identity can become deeper into each of us. Tim, what was your birth name? So, Timothy Forrest Higgins becomes Timothy Higgins, child of God. And no one can take that away. And it doesn't matter what he does. It can't be removed. Now, is that good news today or what? Right? And it's not just news for a 13-year-old. It's news for a 50-year-old. Yeah, you ain't getting that one. You know enough of my business. You don't need it. Right? So here, here's something I, I, I thought would be kind of fun for us to do on the, on the worship notes. Ready? Three benefits of prayer. Prayer creates in us a new identity. Hello, my name is Tobin, and I am a son of God. Or if you prefer, you know, child of God. 
You want to do that together in unison? But use your own name. Don't, don't say my name. That would be creepy. Can we do that together? Ready? Hello. My name is Tobin, and I am a son of God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Now, here's the thing. If there's a little bit of hesitancy in your voice and you're not quite sure, yeah, you know, but there's this thing. No. Spend some time in prayer. Tune in. Listen. Because this has to go deep. This is the reclaiming moment. And prayer does this through Christ. Okay? All right. Second benefit of prayer. You good? Second benefit of prayer. Prayer creates a safe place. Linda foreshadowed this earlier. Paul goes on and he says, we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. In the Hebrew, the phrase literally means that you may walk a life. It's literally that you may walk a life. You see, prayer creates a safe place, these kind of communities called church. Church are safe places for 13-year-olds and 95-year-olds to answer, who am I? Where do I fit? And what difference does it make? And so we allow room to ask questions and to struggle. This is a place where, where, we, where we fail together and where we succeed together. This is a place where people from all over the neighborhood come and we say, yeah, I want to understand more deeply what it means to have an identity in Jesus Christ and work it out so that I can walk a life. I can have a life so that we can have a life together. And it must be a safe place to work it all out. And I think this safe place, this community, this tribe of people is that second answer to Steve's question. Or at least it leans us in that direction. You know the one? Where do I fit? Where do I belong? If I'm, a, if I'm a new person in Jesus Christ, we're each other's people. And we struggle through everything together and we learn to live the tensions together. Because this is where we belong. Rolling up our sleeves and figuring it out. Okay, third benefit of prayer. You doing good? Yeah, we're doing really good. Third benefit of prayer, it generates purpose. It does, it generates purpose. It, it answers that, what difference do I make, do we make? Because in the Hebrew world, you don't really know something until you do it. And Paul is trying to reject any notion of knowledge that's only about knowing things. He's trying, to, he's trying to say there's more than just information. It's more than just saying the right stuff. It's more than just believing certain things. That knowledge has to translate itself into the will of God in all spiritual wisdom and insight. Knowledge upon knowledge. It's got to go deeper than here. 
So he's, he's really challenging us. Any teaching that lifts our feet so far off the ground that we can't touch the ground any longer isn't good teaching. So there is a purpose to this identity and to this community. And it's about living faith out in the world in, in different ways. In a way that bears fruit. So we bloom and we, we blossom in the midst of the mosaic and the fragmentation. There's the rootedness of a tree. And the identity of a tree in the midst of the fragmentation is how we piece life together. And it's prayer that in fact does that. Prayer generates us as individual trees and the church to embed itself in the fragmented places of our culture and of our society so that we may bear fruit. Bearing fruit in every good work. And it takes time to do that so that we blossom and we bloom. We had a really exciting happening in our family this week. It was really cool. Um, when we moved in, you know, three years ago, you get the... You know, you get, the, you get the HOA stuff. Okay, now HOAs were new to us, right? And I, it's not new to Southern California, but it was new to us. Now, HOA documents, right? Seriously? They're like this thick. Anybody here in an HOA? Okay, 30%. So you get a document of stuff that I immediately, in my infinite wisdom, delegated to my wife to read. But we had like six months to plant a garden. And I, I, I think it's funny. To plant a garden in our front area. Now, if you've been to our house, we don't have really room for a garden. It's a slab of concrete. And about 15 inches between where the slab of concrete ends and the wall begins. So if by garden you mean 15 inches, 8 feet out, 8 feet across, maybe 8 feet back. We had six months to create our architectural plan and submit it for approval and then plant our stuff, right? And we had to put down a 150-buck deposit, right? So, I mean, they, you should pay me to fix up this house. That's my, well, that's actually my father-in-law talking. He's, he's from Minnesota. So we go through the whole process and we, you know, we're following the rules. We're rural people and we get, we get it back and we got to make a little tweak and, okay, good to go. So we plant, so we plant everything. And one of the things that we planted was, uh, what's that called? Uh, bird of paradise. A bird of paradise. I just am fascinated by these. We, they don't have them anywhere where, I've, where we've ever lived before. And, you know, we're walking around. We're thinking, we want a bird of paradise. Oh, the other thing is they can't go higher than your, than your wall. If they go higher than your wall, you'll get a letter and you've got to clip it off. Now, the funny, here's the other funny thing. Why didn't they tell you this? Because we're planting bogan. Uh, what did we plant? Bougainvilleas, we planted stuff that if you really let it go, it's going to be like eight times higher than the wall. Why didn't they tell us that? They're like, these guys are suckers. We'll give them approval now, and in six, six, three years, they'll have to cut it all out and do it again. But I, I, anyway, so I'm out there all the time. I trim it. Bird of paradise. Three years later, it finally bloomed. We got one, we got one of those, well, we got one bird of paradise is what I, I'm not even sure. We got one. Three years. And Don's like, why do you think it took so long? And I'm like, well, 
yeah, I had to cut the whole root system in half to get it in because our garden wasn't deep enough, you know, and I didn't expect it even to last this long. Anyway, good news, friends. We got our final bird of paradise, and it looks pretty, and maybe I'll take a picture and post it. It takes time to bloom when the conditions aren't right. And the thing about prayer is, in order for prayer to actually be meaningful in our lives, we have to starve our distractions in order to feed our focus. When this happens, bearing fruit will be present and constant and continuous. And we'll find strength in God. There will be endurance. There will be patience. There will be self-control. There will be, and there's a long laundry list of of things that will begin to bloom in our midst. And you just got to love the gardening aspect of a garden that's watered in the midst of fragmented times. There's joy. There's spontaneous joy. This is another funny one, a little self-deprecating humor. Uh, I can have a lot of fun, but my wife's the joyful one. No one's going to argue that, right? Seriously. That hurts. I'm going to meet with the personnel committee. Um, so I'm, an achie- I'm the achiever in the family. I mean, I just, let's get this done. I have a lot of feelings, too, but my tendency is I take all the feelings, I put them in a box, leave them there. I just leave them there. They just, <laughs> literally, they stay there. I got to, like, put them someplace, and I know they're there. I'll attend to them someday, but probably not because I got, we got stuff to do, right? Stuff's got to get done. So that, and I'll get it done. I mean, that's kind of my, that's our deal. My gift, right? So, I mean, I like funny things and I joke around a lot and it's humorous. But here's why God gave us girls. Spontaneous joy. Spontaneous joy. My kids know how to just make us laugh at the most insane times. The most unexpected times. <laughs> uh, one of my children, she doesn't walk into a room. She enters the room. You know, some people, they'll walk in and, you know, you're not, you don't even know they're there. You know what I mean? Some people walk in, you can't hear them. You're in a different part of the house. They've been there for a half hour, right? You come down the stairs. Oh, hi, how you doing, right? One of my children is like that. Maybe two. The other child, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I can't tip this off. Our other child is not like this. And it's kind of funny, although sometimes if I'm in my high achiever mode, it's seriously irritating. Here's how this child enters the room. I'm home. <laughs> Bam. Where is everybody? Come on down here. Help me get my stuff out of the car. 
I'm not making this up. This is too funny to be true. I'm not smart enough to make it up. Here, and, and that daughter doesn't sit on a couch. Right? That daughter, that daughter, she plops. She plops on the couch. My other children, they, they at least. And there's nothing wrong with plop, couch plopping. It's just different. So when I experience this, I just shake my head and I think, it's all Don's fault. So, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to enjoy the ride as long as it lasts. Right? So here's the point out of that ridiculously long story. When we pray and we enter into this process of attending to God and listening in such a manner that we're literally given a new identity and we embed ourselves in people with a similar identity and we give each other space to be imperfect and to, and to live the tensions and to struggle it and what eventually happens is in fragmented places like our neighborhood Things blossom. And, that, and, and somewhere in the midst of that process, we're spontaneously grateful. Just this spontaneous combustion of, thank you, God, takes us away. Prayer is the only thing that really can do that. So the challenge, it's really an ingenious challenge, actually. Last week I asked you to read, I asked you to do a bunch of things, hoping that you would read, read Colossians. So this week's challenge, um, pray, but pray without using words. Sit in the presence of God, listen, and let that new identity go from book knowledge, gnosis, to knowledge upon knowledge, epigenosis, and spiritual wisdom and insight of the will of God. That's the essence of the prayer. Because when that happens, when that happens, we bear fruit. I don't know if it'll be a bird of paradise. But that's kind of a cool thing if it were. So smile. Have fun. Be grateful. And pray. Let's do that. Forgive me, God, for being the first person to plop on a pew in the sanctuary. But may we flip prayer today. May we go at prayer from a slant place. Len got us going on this deal, and you took it even further. What does it mean to be stamped by your spirit of God, bathed in our baptism, in such a way that we have a new identity called child of God.
May it be so. Strengthen us, encourage us, nurture us deeper into that so that because of the ministry of this place, there are less Steves leaving and more Steves staying. May it be so. Amen.